my beautiful chocolate eclairs. How the devil are you doing? It's Nikki Allen, Psychic Medium here. Welcome to Soul Space. And it is a space for your soul to just soak in all the beautiful esoteric, paranormal, spiritual subjects that I bring up. Anything out of this world is welcome here and I will bring it to you, educating humanity, educating you at the same time and trying to give you a bit of a hand during your human experience when things get a bit bumpy, including things that go bump in the night. So plug yourselves in, darlings. Grab yourself a coffee or a tea or whatever floats your boat. Get those headphones on and let's go ahead and deal with our next subject. It's not really dealing. It's us talking about something very important that could be a bit delicate. Now, if you have listened to me and read my books, you'll know all about who I was, who I have been, and why I know all about murder victims. If not, listen on, and I shall give you a little bit of a CV on how I know about all this sort of stuff. If not, just buy my book, Rise and Fall of Britain's Best Psychic Medium, or the other one, me, myself, and I murder victims now i was a major investigation detective with essex police um i was in the police for 20 years and i ended up being a family liaison officer for murder victim families and rape victim families so i kind of grew this mass knowledge as a bereavement trained officer on the rawness of people that have had um you know members of the family murdered the little twist in this towel is, is that in the evenings I was doing psychic readings because as you all know, if you know me, I come from a very solid, beautiful stock of psychic mediums, seventh sons and seventh sons going back many hundreds of years. So it what it didn't help, I'm not gonna lie, it didn't help when I was dealing with murder victims and I saw them stand in the room waving at me while I'm dealing with their heart-wrenched, distraught, beyond shocked family. However, it gave me a step up when I became a full-time psychic medium. The thing is, I was just talking to my producer, Oliver, and I was saying that I've never feared being around death ever because I know it's just a, literally a transition. It's a step up to another frequency, another layer of reality where we just chill out for a little while and then we come back down for our experience here. And so murder to me fascinated me. It's mostly why I wanted to be a major investigation detective. I was really fascinated by people that wanted to take people's lives. I used to sit in front of murderers and think, how could you do that? But on the other side, I also wanted to know what happens to souls when they are murdered, when they are taken by another person. I absolutely do not want to create a trigger effect here. So if you are still in the raw stages of grieving and you have been or are a victim of, you know, a family member being murdered or a friend, please perhaps wait a bit longer to listen to this podcast. I really don't want to create a problem for you by discussing it. However, what I will say is if you've appropriately grieved, then this is for you because this should bring you some comfort. Now, going right back to the beginning of my days, as you will know if you've read my second book, I've gone from detective to having to work as a full-time medium because I was haunted into it by the spirit world. And I remember it was only the first week I'd ever started doing 
full-time psychic mediumship readings at my friend's salon, God bless her heart, Claire, in her old salon, Hollywood Secrets in Rayleigh, Essex. Let me know if you know that place, Essex people. And um, a lady came in. I just I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was just seeing this woman getting strangled. And I'm like, Christ, what the hell is all this about? And she was my very first murder victim. And of all of the murder victims she was of was Peter Sutcliffe, the Yorkshire Ripper. Can you believe that? I couldn't believe it myself. I'm like... I'm seeing a Yorkshire Ripper. This is really weird. And she's just said Peter. And she went, yeah, she was one of, she was my sister. She was one of the um, Peter Sutcliffe's um, murder victims. I'm like, oh, my God. Couldn't believe it. So, anyway, she showed me what happened to her. Now, one, I think they know I can handle the trauma because I've seen so many murder investigation scenes. You know, I've been... At a murder scene, first, first on the on the ground. I've seen many dead bodies in my life, and and a lot of trauma. And um, to me, I'm able to handle it. And so I feel the reason why I get a lot of murder victims come to me now. If you know, we were talking about this in the last podcast about babies. I'm not that great, you know, I'm not that comfortable in receiving that energy because I've never had it before, but they can come in their multitudes because I'm used to seeing it, I'm used to experiencing, you know, um, the the backdraft of it, if you like. So she, the most interesting thing, and I didn't really take it on board the first time round, but when she was showing me the murder, right, she showed me it as if she was standing next to me. And it didn't click. It didn't click. You've got to remember that when I first started doing full-time mediumship, I was they were teaching me, the spirit world were teaching me, the angels were teaching me my game, my, you know, my my life, my career, my vocation, my my journey into helping humankind. And so I didn't, you know, I was learning as much as anybody. And I still am. Every single day I'm learning. And so it didn't really click that she was standing next to me. And I was watching this horror unfold, thinking, Jesus Christ. I said, are you all right? She goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because remember, when we go over, and I will talk about this in depth a bit later on, that when we go over, it's very much like childbirth. Not that I'd know because I haven't had a baby, but you kind of, it was crap at the time, but you kind of forget it. And this is kind of what they talk about. It's a very dim and distant memory because it happened to a human body, not a soul. And that's what you've always got to remember, okay? So she said, yeah, yeah, it was really tough. She goes, I just worry about my family. Are they okay? And it's a long time ago now, obviously, and this lady was quite elderly. But, you know, it, it, was, it still gave her comfort and closure to know that, uh, you know, a sister was in a safe place and that, you know, it didn't ruin her soul. No murderer can ruin his soul, darlings. It just doesn't happen. So I was like, wow factor when I went home. I was like, I can't believe this. I've had my first murder victim. And that was the first of many to come. Within six months, I was asked to do a documentary by a Hollywood producer who'd flown over from Hollywood, heard about me. Um, They sent me a photograph, no information at all, absolutely nothing whatsoever of a young boy with glasses on, black and white photo, obviously, you know, quite an old photograph, and said, what can you pick up from that? no pressure no pressure at all and uh i suddenly had this mind map take place in my head um again i, I think i yeah i do I, I i put this in my book i've put this in my book 
and it involved red ribbons on gates and a, a sheep with its back broken backwards. And I basically had this map of this boy where he was buried. And I realised that I was looking at a moorland. And then I saw what happened to this boy. I saw him walking along. I'm sure he said it was a Sunday. I don't know, that's randomly come into my head. And I saw him walk along and again, he was showing me what happened. And then he gets spoken to by this lady and snatched and taken into this van. And the next thing he's showing me in this peated, like wet, boggy grave with this three rivers that meet. And I'm like, this is so random. But I thought, you know, we're in for a penny, in for a pound. So I sent it back. And within a week, I'd had an offer to say, my God, you got all this. You're going to be filming with us. We're going to be going to the moors. And it was Saddleworth Moors in Yorkshire. And what I didn't realise was that I was in the middle of one of the most horrific murders that took place in history in the UK, which were the Moors children tortured and killed by Myra Hindley and Ian Brady. I had no clue that I was going to be involved in this. And I have to say, hand on heart, I know I've said before that I've done some amazing mediumship, but I look back on what I did during that time and I think to myself, I could never, ever match what I did there. It was the most incredible thing that ever happened. And to me, those children taught me the most valuable lesson I can share with you now. And I'll tell you in a bit. So I go up to the moors and they've got all the crew there and the producer and um, we go up on the moors and incredibly the map that I'd drawn like weeks before, even down to the red ribbons, the sheep with its back broken, the lone tree, the flower, led us to a space where the geophysicists found that there was a grave there. Um, but because it was near a stream, the body would have been washed away. So I am absolutely adamant that that was where Keith Bartlett was buried. If you don't know about these murders, if you're across the pond, as I call it, my beautiful friends in Australia, my God, I've had emails from Serbia, Singapore, Australia, um, obviously Canada and the US are regulars, but there's Greece, Cyprus, Moscow. I've had people from all over the world incredibly um, emailing me. So across the pond, just Google this if you don't know about it. They never found Keith Bartlett's body, but all the other children um, were shown where they were buried by Ian Brady when he was released from prison. So we were on the moors and I was in this car and I just said, stop now after we'd found this grave another day I said stop now and I got out and I just marched like I was possessed across this moorland bearing in mind there's over a thousand acres of land at Saddleworth Moors in Yorkshire and I stopped in a spot and my feet tingled and that taught me from then on that if my feet ever tingled when I was in a paranormal investigation or I was just walking around it meant there was a body under me or it had been there and my feet were literally it felt like I was standing on top of a washing machine and I was like oh my god and I just went Leslie Leslie and they went okay and the beauty of it was they didn't say yes or no this crew they just said okay and then I marched across another space and then I said Pauline and I didn't know anything about the names the places of these victims I didn't even know what it was all about until I got up there 
And then I marched across the road in the peeing rain and just stopped and said, John, and basically, long story short, um, they confirmed at the end of it, uh, at the end of that week, where I stood was where the bodies were found, which was just absolutely blew me away. There's other stuff. If you want to know about it, it's in a chapter in my book. So the most beautiful thing those children taught me is that once I'd started getting my energy resonating with the Moorlands and I kept thinking of these children, it was the most traumatic thing to go through it and know what these monsters did to these children. And they started showing me what happened to them. But again, even when I saw Keith, they showed me it as if they were standing next to me. And thank God I said in one meditation session, why are you standing next to me when you show me this? And this was the golden nugget that I can now bring to all of you because it didn't happen to us. It just happened to that body. So what that meant was, and forever, forever, all the murder victims I've brought through ever since, they always stand next to me and go, that is what happened to that body. It didn't happen to me. The value of that is that I can tell you all, no matter who you've had murdered, whether it's a child, adult, what happens is the soul is taken from the physical body at the point of attack. All right. So, you know, it's, it's an awful subject, but my God, it's a reality. We know people that have been murdered. We know people that have been kidnapped and tortured and kept for however long. And then they died. And so I can categorically assure you that anybody say that you think, oh, my God, the pain they must have gone through. They were kept for two days before they were murdered. Da, 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 da. They didn't even go through it. They did not go through it. They stood back and showed and literally were taken before the trauma takes place. And then once the body, the physical body is passed, then the soul will go up to the reality layer. So they're kind of watching it as a third party. They're not feeling it. They're seeing it and thinking, oh, that's not great. But they're not going through it. And to me, that was the most freeing thing I could possibly give to myself and others, thinking, my God, what did they go through? They didn't go through anything. They just watched it and thought, oh, well, that's my time up. I'm going to go up now. And then what happens then is, is that I then said, so I didn't say it this time, but I said to the children, thank you, you've given me a gift that I can now keep giving to other family members, other friends of people that have been murdered. And any friend, you know, anybody that's gone through trauma, any soul that's gone through trauma, it's like a, a notch of accomplishment, if you like, or um, a, a lesson that they've learnt down here, but it doesn't affect them physically. It's very hard to explain. So I remember another time when a girl came through and she'd been stabbed multiple times by a boyfriend and she was laughing and giggling. Sister was in the audience and I'm like, God, you know, I'm not being funny. I don't want to make you sound too happy. She goes, look, she goes, I, I'm telling you now. And she showed me the attack again, standing next to me going, oh, that was a bit tough. And she then went and she goes, let me show you where I went after that. And so she took me to this place, which I recognized because I'd seen it in meditation and in dreams called the Celestial Garden. And this is in my new book that's coming out called What Happens When We Die. I may change the title. 
I, I'm taken up to heaven. I'm taken up to the celestial palace or the crystal palace, whatever you want to call it, and into the celestial gardens. And I walk through these roses. It's a sublime place, absolutely beautiful. Um, and it's full of dragonflies and butterflies. Everything's more colourful, more vibrant than you could possibly imagine. And in the middle of it, you can hear this water and it, it cascades from like this lily pat, lily um, flower and it cascades down to another level, then another level. And this water is like, it looks like liquid mercury, but it's very thin, translucent and it's shimmering with silvers and greens and turquoises. And I, I met these women and you'll know about this because I spoke about it before the seraphim, the oldest order of the angels, the seraphim, vicious warriors when they need to protect a planet or a, or a humanity. Um, they have four faces so they can face every single way so they can see what's coming. They bring mass souls up that have passed like perhaps in a tsunami in a war and they bring and collect all these souls up um, as Rael takes a step back they gather the souls and bring them up to the celestial garden. And as I walked up to this fountain, there was a soldier actually there being soothed by this song. And this song is something that has been spoken of for eons of time, that the seraphim work on the vibration of song. And as I've told you before, um, I used to hear that song after I had a bout of abuse when I was um, an adolescent. And so... I kind of feel like I'm speaking more profoundly and more not Nikki. So I feel like I'm getting a bit of my influence of what I'm saying through Julianas. Because once I get into this tone, this resonance, there's part guide speaking through me. Um, so please excuse the change of the resonance of my voice. And so when I was up in this space, I saw these Grecian beauties with long white robes and these golden rope type belts around their midriff singing this beautiful tune with long, dark, cascading hair. And again, I thought, wow, hang on a moment. Most angels, every angel I've ever seen is blonde with blue eyes. And these wonderful beings don't have that they are just they dawn planets they are just the most incredible old knowledgeable formidable angels you've ever stood in front of and i've over the years i've brought students to them and they come back just completely mesmerized or crying or you know just blown away by the presence of these wonderful beings and so she said i came here so we go back to Nikki, like, I came here. I said, did you? So she went, yeah, I come. I was straight up here before I even knew it. And um, she showed me that she was bathed in this liquid. And I've actually had it done to me. So they kind of rest you next to this fountain and they scoop. It looks like conches or some sort of shell. And they scoop this beautiful translucent water and they just pour it over you and they sing to you and this is how a soul is healed from any human trauma the the essence of the acknowledgement of 
how they, you know, experience this on their human experience is notched into their soul as a memory, but it doesn't stay with them. They're not harmed. They're not like down here. Survivors uh, have to deal with that pain, you know, a survivor of trauma, a survivor of something evil that's happened to them. They are completely released of that as soon as they are taken up to spirit world. I feel even before their life review or immediately after, they're completely free of it. So I'm like... I said to her, I was really worried. You're having a laugh. Your sister, all she can remember is you're getting stabbed by your boyfriend. And I said, but you're up here and you look magnificent and you're loving life. And she goes, I literally am loving the afterlife. And I'm like, wow, okay. So I had to be very, very careful. Can I come back down here, please, now, Julianus? Be me again. Sorry about this. This is a bit random, but isn't it good? It's organic. I'm loving it. So I'm I'm back down here. That's me. Is that me? That's me. So I'm back down here and I'm like, I don't want to sound like you're too happy, love. And so this woman's crying her eyes out. All the family are cuddling. I'm like, Jesus. So she said, just tell her. She needs to know. I didn't feel it. I wasn't there. I watched it. I went up. I did my review and I got healed. And I'm loving it up here because granddad's here, mum's here, and then mum comes in. And I'm like, oh, your mum Beryl's here and all the rest of it. And it just turned out that it was the most beautiful thing in the world. And that woman couldn't thank me enough because all she could see, she told me, was her sister being stabbed multiple times is all she could see and she couldn't move on from that but I created this mindset in her subconscious now that she was being she was standing there with a seraphim having this like beautiful translucent liquid poured over her head so I'll tell you in a moment what happened next Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know that I have now got a new pop-up that comes up when you go to my website. What is that pop-up? That pop-up is for you to subscribe to my email newsletters that go out weekly. They are your path to everything that I have to offer. I give you loads of offers. Now and then I'm going to be giving away lots of little treats for you. It also gives you a chance to understand anything new that I'm bringing in, whether it's my new book, a new course. Currently, I obviously have my 10-hour tarot course and my Prism Living course, but I will be adding to these and you'll be the first to know. It's the same with things like my products, with the QR tarot cards, with my guided meditations, my books, the audio books. It's all there in the shop, which you've got exclusive access to and you will be getting discounts as well. So what is there not to like? Pop up on that pop up, <laughs> fill your details in and you can be a subscriber. So I'm standing there. I've still got, I think her name was Christine, still standing there with her sister. And she's going, please don't think that we underwhelm what happened to us because we know the pain you go through. But the biggest thing that we want to do as a murder victim is teach, shoot and show you that we did not go through it and we do not keep reliving it like you do. So please Get a good picture of us. Get a good memory of us. Put it on your phone. And she was the one that's brilliant, brilliant tip from the spirit world. It's like, get on your phone. Just find a picture of us. And so I said, do it now. Do it now. So she's like, got this phone. And she's like, put in, put in this picture of her and her sister on holiday. And I said, right, every time you think of her, look at that now. Because that's how happy she is. That's what place she wants you to be in. Not the victim from this evil monster. Do you know what I mean? And so that was totally incredible. It was just a massive golden nugget and another fantastic lesson from the spirit world of what happens to murder victims. And so this is so important. And if you know anybody that's, you know, knows of anybody that had a traumatic passing or literally, you know, was taken by another human being, they must listen to this. 
And it's not me just doing a fairy tale to make you feel better. It's not me saying, oh, you know, it's all right there. Okay. This is just time and time again of being proved it. Now, just to let you know, if I've like, if I'm blending with someone that's, you know, say like it's got um, had a heart attack, right? I feel it. My heart starts constricting. I get breathless and my left arm goes funny. And I know that's a heart attack. So I say, oh, yeah, you suffer with a heart attack. They let me blend with that. If, you're, if you've got dementia, I'll sit there and go, oh, my God, my head's all cloudy. And the show me a light bulb, that's my sign to say they have dementia and they make me feel it. I have never in my life felt a murder, ever, 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 ever. The only time I've ever, they ever allow it is if I'm in, just say like when I was at Culloden on the moors in Scotland, right? And I, I used to take retreats up there, spiritual retreats up there. And we we're all standing there and I felt the most horrific stabbing pain in, in my side. Oh my God, it was horrific. And it was obviously one of the soldiers, God bless them, that had got stabbed. So that's fair play because I'm resonating with the era and I'm obviously sitting there thinking, right, well, come to me. I want to feel it. And I get stabbed in the side and it was just someone that got stabbed in the side. And then I looked down, I realised I was standing on someone's grave. So I literally buried them where they dropped on Culloden. So, um, so, you know, that's me going with a memory. I'm blending with a memory or an era that took place where I can feel things from that era, not the, the actual victim, if that makes sense. Very hard to describe, but I hope that, that, that makes sense for you. Never, ever, ever have I felt being murdered, ever, ever, ever. And that's not, and I asked Julianus and Catherine, actually, I said, are you doing this just to, you know, not, you know, so I don't feel it, so I don't get affected. They went, no, absolutely not. This is this is fact. This is what happens. They do not go through the trauma. It's, you know, the life plan is there. They know, you know, their soul knows they're going to get murdered. We know they're going to get murdered. We know the time. We know the place. They've asked for the experience. Not, Please don't even misquote that, but it's part of the life plan, the bigger picture, the eternal soul that wants to experience weird and wonderful things down here, whether they're negative or positive. And so they know the point of when the trauma will start on that body and that's it. They whip that soul out as quick as you like, quick as you like. It's very much like, I'm not going to go back to it again, but it's really quite good how they do it. You know, the with ghosts, with Patrick Swayze, do you know what I mean? And literally, as soon as the body passes, the soul's up like, oh, what's going on here? But it's even before the trauma. Do you know what I mean? Before the trauma, they're whipping up. I can't say for Willie Lopez, though, because all those dark things come and got him. So now you want to know what happens to the murderer. I bet you that's just what everybody's going to sit. Well, what about the murderer? You know, they've gone up and they've got healed. But Jesus, someone took their life. Um, the murderer um, depends if it's honouring a soul contract whether though i don't want to get too deep in this because everybody goes yeah but what about this what about that this is generic right so the murderer if it was part of their soul contract to do that and be that person i don't know a lot about that because i don't deal deal with the dark side of humanity and spirit however if it's someone that's gone against their soul contract and they've taken a life or many lives or they've hurt someone beyond reason they are taken up and this is what I've been shown because I asked it because I'm a nosy cow and I thought I need, I know, I know that everybody's going to ask me that, you know, it's all well and good about the murder victim. What about the bleeding person? So this is how I was taught it. And again, um, I think I may have put this in my book, but I certainly did um, a magazine article about it. 
So I'm doing a reading, got this lovely girl come in. It's all lovely and fluffy and all nice. <laughs> Normally when you get someone's nan through, it's like, oh, do they bake cakes? And oh, they like gave you nice pennies to go down the seaside. You know, all nice fluffy stuff that a granny gives you. Jesus Christ. She sat down, right? And I'm like, what the fluff am I seeing? Um, I say fluff instead of the F word, by the way, if it's the first time you've ever heard this. What the fluff am I seeing, right? And I'm seeing blood everywhere. I just, what the hell? Like, there's just blood and mayhem. And then I'm seeing these two babies being killed. And just leave it at that. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. And then I look at the bloke and he kills himself as well. So I'm like, right. So I said, your nan has just shown me something really, really horrific. She went, oh, my God, thank God. I went, Really? She went, oh, yeah, seriously, she goes, all I get is, oh, did your nan bake cakes? Did she wear an apron? She goes, it's loaded load of BS. I need to know what happened. And I went, oh, my God. She goes, keep going. And she was encouraging it. And I'm like, I don't want to encourage this. I'm seeing really shitty stuff here. So anyway, um, I said, okay, then. So I said, look, let me just cancel my next client. I really want to have a look at all this. Because it turns out that the person that killed the twin babies, right, was her nan's brother her great uncle. I'm like, wow. Okay. So I need you to know about this. I'm thinking what happens if you have someone murder someone in the same family or the same soul cluster, right? I thought it's really interesting, worth cancelling a client for. And I hate you cancelling clients, but this was worth it. So the nan comes in and she's got a, a boy and a girl there and they're happy as anything. These two little twins um, and she says they didn't feel it. And I went, yeah, I know about that. I've learned that lesson. I know that they didn't go through the trauma. I said, what happened? And basically her brother got exposed to mustard gas in the war and it sent him basically loopy. He just had massive mental health issues and it damaged his brain. He was OK enough, you know, to do normal things. But now and then he'll just lose it. And what happened was they were, I can't remember if they were on holiday or not, but he basically took these two kiddies down the beach. And the next thing, this big black cloud comes over him and he just goes absolutely mental. Um, and what happened transpired. Um, and I went, wow. So I said, okay, then. So I said, so did he go to the cherubin chamber? I'll tell you about the cherubin chamber in a minute. And so she said, no. I went, well, what do you mean no? She goes, well, yes and no. I went, well, what's yes and no then? So she said, well, what happened was is that he went to the cherubin chamber. Now, I'm going to jump to the cherubin chamber now um, to explain what I'm talking about. I found this place called Crystal Palace, um, and it turns out it's the source of everything esoteric. Angels, home of the angels, um, where the source is, you can call him God. And from a very young age, I used to see it and not know what it was. From the outside, the image that is created for me and millions of other people that went, yeah, that's a crystal palace, because I didn't know what it was. It looks like, almost like um, the Disney palace, you know, all glinting and white and magnificent. And so when I go up there, I go into this hallway and then I choose a door and then I learn about a certain layer. So I've seen the angel, um, sorry, the angels chambers, the reality layer heaven, halls of learning, the chamber of God, um, all sorts. And so one day I'm thinking, I've never been through this door. I'm going to try this door. And I turn up in this place and it is magnificent. It's a big pool room. 
right? It's got this huge pool in the middle of it, and it's all golden gilt stuff and columns, and it's got all these cherubim in the walls, right? So I'm like, okay, what's this room? So I don't get an answer. So I'm like, okay, then the pool is milky white, right? It's milky white. It looks like a big pool of milk. So I walk alongside the pool and then I go round the columns and there are steps into the pool. They're all golden steps, right? And my soul just knows the place, walks in and starts floating in this pool, right? So then I'm laying there and I'm about an inch under the water and I can see straight through the water. So the water's kind of, you know, bubbling over my face. And these cherubim start flying off of the walls. They manifest from the walls and they're all surrounding the pool looking down at me. I'm like, oh, that's cute. That's cute. The chubby little cherubim. That's really cute. Until suddenly I felt like I wasn't boiling myself, but the water started bubbling like it was boiling. And I'm like, what the hell? And then I see these like electrified tadpoles this is all in my new book by the way it's all in there electrified tadpole things and they're like bright silvers and whites and they and i could feel them going in and out of my soul i'm like what the hell was all that about the scariest thing is i then look up and these cherubim right their faces turn like bloody exorcists i'm like fluff me it's all like really bad <laughs> i'm in hell right and these cherubim heads turn and I'm like if they start doing green puke I'm out of here do you know what I mean so they turn their heads and the faces are either lions or oxes like you know like bison big oxes so I'm like what the fluff so I'm laying there and I start to panic and every time my soul panics my granddad comes in my granddad Fred goes calm down Nicola calm down just go with it this is one of your experiences you need to tell humankind about I'm like oh my god so I'm like what's going on so I'm then telepathically, these cherubim are saying to me, you're, you're judging your own soul. God doesn't judge you. I'm like, okay. I don't mean God sitting on the throne and all the Bible stuff, right? But it's interesting because there is a Bible involved in this. Um, you know, the omnipresence I know him as, this source of energy that basically is the heartbeat of the universe along with the Schumann resonance. So I'm like, okay, what am I judging? We're showing you what happens to souls that need to judge themselves. Okay. So anyway, this water bubbles along. I It then stops and I come out feeling redeemed and feel absolutely fantastic. Above me, there's just faces all over, including angelic faces in the ceiling. And then the cherubim turn their heads around and they're back to the chubby, beautiful little faces. And I'm like, that was totally random. And so I came out of the pool and they say, this is what happens to the souls that go against the soul contract. This is what we call evil. So then as I stand at the pool, they show a black shadow going into the pool, right? It laying flat like I was doing. Then the cherubim come back round. Their heads are either lions or oxes. And then the, this filth, the sentinence, they're called sentinence, by the way, these little tadpole things are in and out of this black soul. And then the soul is basically faced with its actions that it's done on the earth plane. And the pain it created, the trauma it created is mirrored back into that soul. So they go through it a thousand trillion times what they've created. Right. And then. The pool turns black, bubbling like tar, like tar, bubbling and boiling away. And then the soul just explodes into smithereens. So, and then I just thought of people like Hitler 
and you know and i just thought that's what happens to these sort of souls people that have created genocide and you know murders and have just been these evil fractions on the earth they've gone against their ego has basically beaten their soul consciousness and they've turned into these monsters and this is the cherubim chamber they go in i'm like this is mind-blowing i cannot wait to get out of this meditation to start googling it all so and, and they just basically the soul then lights black and then it kind of just ends up turning white, goes back to flatness, and then the cherubim go back into the wall and that's the end of it. I wake up thinking, Jesus. So I'm like on the Google button like a bitch, just typing it all out. And I put in cherubim, judgment, God, I think, or something like that, and I could not believe what I read. In fact, I, you know, this I didn't even realise I was going to say this story. It's always organic what I what I say to you. It's all channeled, I think, as I would have got the actual um, Bible verse up for you and quoted it. But basically, in the Old Testament, there is a bit about and the cherubim shall judge through um, faces of lions and oxen, um, and are the right hand. So it's like the right hand um, judgment of God's ye shall judge yourself in the pool of the cherubim or something. I'm like, oh, my God, it's even in the Old Testament. Couldn't believe it, especially when it says, and their heads shall turn into lions and oxen. I'm like, oh, my good God. And that was my kind of proof. You know, I always say to you, especially being a detective, and, you know, um, sceptical on things until I've, you know, found out there's another explanation. That nailed it for me because I had experienced it you know, I didn't know it was in the Old Testament. Never bloody read the Old Testament. Why would I? I've always thought they're fictional books. I still do to a certain extent. But I'm like, this is serious shit. So then I, I go up and take students to the Crystal Palace. And they go, I've just been in this milky pool with a load of cherubs. I'm like, oh, get in. I haven't told them about it. And so over the years, I've taken students and they've corroborated everything I've seen up there. So that's my proof as well, because I don't tell them a thing. And they come back and describe, I went right. And this was there. And I'm like, oh, yes, man-made map of heaven, which I will put in the new book. So I then said to the nan, so your brother went here. She said, yes, but he looked upon himself and his soul you know, he judged himself and he realised that he needed to forgive himself and work on himself because it was the mustard gas that created this horrific situation and not his sole intent. So he walked back out of the cherubim chamber, got healing from the seraphim. I went, yeah, no, that one, seen that one before. And she said, and then he went to a different layer to work on this soul ascension while we stayed in the reality layer. And I'm yet to meet him, but I know I will. And I said, do you have any ill feeling about your brother? And she said, no, because once we get up here, the, you know, the knowledge of our eternal, eternal selves comes back into being and our human thought processes and egos dissipate. And I know that it was part of a human condition that created this. And I also know that I'm back with my twins and I shall be with them forever. So that is how I want you to tell other people that go through this situation. And you know what? I was on the Daniel Jones murder and I so desperately wanted to tell the family, Google it if you don't know about the Daniel Jones murder. She was she was murdered by her uncle and I so desperately wanted to impart this knowledge to them. But you can't as a professional police officer. Um, and so that's what happens to murderers. So when you sit there with 
people that you've lost that have been taken by another's hand know that you know you may not think prison's enough they may not have even been arrested for it they may have got away with it please know that when it comes to it and it most probably don't bring you much comfort now but if you went through what i went through and saw and felt what these souls go through it is horrific that's hell right there they create they mirror everything they did and everything they thought in that chamber and they it is a basically a it's a pool of reflection and then they get ripped to pieces in there never to incarnate down here again so don't ever worry whoever does you wrong in this life whoever does harm they they can laugh they can do whatever they want but i'm telling you now i've seen it and i've seen it now hundreds of times what happens and the repercussions of someone that's done wrong down here and it is not pleasant i'm telling you that now and that is judgment that is hell god doesn't judge anybody you are faced with your own and you know part of this comes in with the buddhist theories you are faced with your own actions you are faced with your own behaviors intents or thought processes as a human and my god do you get it back so that's what i believe i suppose is karma that's what i believe is part of what happens to bad people and when i read about animal abusers child abusers murderers rapists i think do you know what? I, I look at the bigger picture, knowing what they're going to be facing, knowing what they're going to be facing. And I know that, you know, this is never going to replace or make it better for those people that have had murder victims in their friends or families or know of them. But do you know what? Just focus on that soul being ripped to pieces in that pool, because I'm telling you, it happens. And as I say, the reason I know that is I've had so much backup and synchronicity in signs from students backing it up, from the Bible verse, you know, I didn't know about. So it, it's a reality and know that they will go to their own personal hell when they go up there. Also know that your loved one, whether it's a traumatic passing, a violent passing or a murder, they don't remember it, they don't go through it and they certainly don't relive it. So all I can say is I hope I've brought you some comfort today. I hope I've shown you what happens to a soul that's been murdered. And I desperately hope that you can find a way to move on and try and put, get that photo on your phone. Every time you think of them, your subconscious will automatically go to that happy memory rather than the memory of how they parted this earth. That's the trick is to retrain your brain to a happy memory rather than how they parted from this earth because they don't remember it. They don't go through it anymore and neither should you. And I know that many murder victims say, my God, I try so hard to heal them. I try so hard for them to just let go of that last thing that they see in their head. And it's, you know, as a human, it is hard. But rest assured, when you go up there, all of that pain will be wiped from there. But they desperately want you to try and wipe that pain while you're down here. Try and honour your grief, honour your bereavement, honour your anger and try everything you possibly can to get yourself away from that last thought of what they went through because they really didn't go through it. I really hope that I've helped today. And as I always say, think good things, create good things and they will come back to you a hundredfold just like it does in the cherubim chamber. And as always, I want to send you so much love and strength to the people that can completely relate to this. And again, I just want to say thank you for listening. I'm keeping it real. I'm Nikki Allen and I'll speak to you again the next time.